Welcome to the podcast that very much respects all non-biological life forms. It's the Redenbacher. I'm your host, Matt Murphy, joined by Commander Ben Boilerwell. How's it going, Ben? Hey, Matt. Uh, I'm actually doing pretty good, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you for that. How are you doing? I'm doing swell, actually. I've, I've had a pretty good week. I haven't had to get a root canal in a week, so I can do wonders. I can do wonders. But uh, no, no, it's it's been a good week. No, that's excellent, man. I'm glad that there's no more uh, root canals going on. I'm sure we're both glad about ever, that. Never say never. That's that's my slogan, as well as uh, Michael Jackson's or Justin Bieber. I forget which one. <laughs> Someone important. Yeah, so, I mean, I buried the lead here, but this week's episode was a hell of an episode. It could have been the season finale. Yeah, man, I would agree. This episode, it really took things... Um, the Orville, we've always seen in kind of like a light-hearted sense. Like, it's always kind of been like, you know... I mean, not that there's anything light about like an imprisonment camp or, um, <laughs> but, but no, this, this episode really took things in a much more serious direction and it was a really big shocker. I would agree. This would be an amazing season finale if, uh, you know, we had guarantee that season three would be renewed. I think that we might be heading in that direction. I've been seeing some articles pop up saying it's incredibly likely they're getting a lot of viewers, so don't count your chickens, but it's looking more likely than not. That is excellent news for, for everyone. For sure. Good job, guys, and uh, keep supporting this fantastic show that only gets better. Yeah, we've seen that. It's it's off the charts right now. Like, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Like, this, um, yeah. it, it reminded me of, like, the two-part episodes that you'd get in Star Trek that are, like, really intense, serious, awesome, like, full-length. Um, I can't wait to see, like, the second part, obviously, but I just, you know, that's that's a lot of content for one episode. It's practically, like, a feature film length. It's exciting. Yeah, it definitely is. We're recording this episode like a day after this part two aired. We've been taking notes and we're trying to catch up. So right after this, we're going to go watch part two and hopefully we'll have this all out for you before the next episode. Absolutely. That's our game plan, guys. Um, life gets uh, busy sometimes. So I, I thank all of you for your patience. But yeah, we're going to get on top of things and we're going to be having our episodes launched uh, on a regular basis before the following episode airs so we can kind of captivate your interest get those thoughts generating and not have it kind of um, get stale for sure one thing i'd like to say is we got approved for itunes and google play so that's two more platforms we'll be on i know a lot of you guys use itunes and google play is really great too so you can easily find our name on there by the time this is up all of our episodes should be on there so enjoy yeah good good going guys you can tune in from anywhere now yeah, exactly. So, without further ado, I think we have a transmission on, on its way. Do, 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 do. Today we're receiving a transmission with the episode Identity, Part 1, written by Brennan Braga and Andre Bormanis. Now, I believe in our first episode, I mentioned that these two writers are a hell of a duo, and we should look out for any episode that they write together again. And this is the most popular episode in IMDb, so I, I kind of called this one. I would consider that uh, quite the insight. Stay tuned for more of Matthew's predictions, or prophecies if I may. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I am pretty much Nosferatu with these predictions. Uh, only wrong one time in my life, and uh, even then... We they won't talk about it. that. So we open up to Isaac and the boys, Ty and Marcus, are playing a game. It looks like 40 chess or some similar kind of game. You always see these fantasy chess games, and this one's no different. It might have been like Chinese checkers or a mashup, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I thought there was like a kind of um, wheel that they turned around. So this is like a really interesting, probably original, obviously, concept. Um, and it, yeah, it just really took me back to Star Trek. This is kind of on a side note, but I'll just get it out there really quickly. For any of the fans of Star Trek out there, and I'm, I'm sure lots of you are, hopefully, uh, there's super cool on their website. You can buy the 4D chess set. Mm -mm, it's like $400, I think, US. Um, 
There's got to be a better way. There has to be. There's got to be some knockoffs for like $35. Oh, on I thought you actually had like a recommendation. You had like, a, you know, a, a 40 chess dealer, but I guess I was wrong. Sorry, guys. Uh, you got a DIY on that one, I guess. Yeah, unless you want to cough up the big bucks from Star Trek's website. But uh, that's a no-go. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Isaac's teaching these kids how to play 40 chess, or it seems like they've mastered it, or they're doing quite well at it. And it for me, this foreshadows, I think, the episode. So I have a theory that, okay, we are spoiling the whole episode, by the way, so here we go. I, I, I think that when Isaac, they show that he's with the Kalon, I think that he, there's more than he lets on. I think he's playing a long game. He's playing a game of 40 chess in this episode where he's thinking five or six steps ahead of everyone else. And he knows, I think he knows the Kalons are going to want to invade and that he needs to think of something beyond that. He knows the species. He knows where he came from. He knew, knows very well that where the bodies are buried. And there's a lot of bodies buried on Kalon. Oh, my goodness. That was... Wow. Yeah, that was a very... Everything just got turned upside down. You know what I mean? In that moment, it was, it was intense. We'll talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, I actually really much enjoy that scene when they're, when they're playing their, um, their board game of whatever sort it is. I thought it was funny because they're, they're talking about how it's like, yeah, there's no shame in being uh, cognitively inferior or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, but it's not nice. And he's like, that is irrelevant. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's just funny. If, if Ty keeps being around uh, Isaac's influence, he's only going to get smarter and smarter. Being taught by a robot that knows a ton of stuff and you're a kid at that age, you just soak up knowledge. Ty and Marcus, to a lesser extent, are going to be really, really smart the older they get, the more time they spend with them. Absolutely. It's kind of like having, um, like, I don't know, he, Isaac has databanks and he knows pretty much everything I would say, like they're in relative to science and, and mathematics education. Uh, and he, yeah, if he's going to be around there and they're going to be, you know, being influenced by him, they're going to turn into like super geniuses, but they're going to probably lack social skills immensely. Um, I, Isaac knows everything. He even knows uh, 1984 Oscar speeches by Sally Field for Christ's sakes. He knows, he knows. You'll get that later on. You'll get that later on. Trust me. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, so, yeah. So when they're playing the game, um, Claire comes in and she's telling the kids that, you know, should we tell them the thing? Isaac's like, what thing? You know, the thing. Uh, I yeah. think it's funny. It just shows how Isaac isn't good with social interactions at all. Um, but, yeah. So they, they do tell them that they're dating. Obviously, Ty and... Marcus, they're like, well, not Ty, but Marcus was like, yeah, I knew. Everyone knows. It's a small ship. Like, what do you think about that, Matt? I thought it was cool. I I like the dynamic of, like, you. I've seen this scene so many times of a parent telling their kids they're dating someone new, but I've never seen it with a robot, so I thought that was a nice twist. And this worked for the episode because you have to show these kids that Isaac's going to be your new dad, basically, so that it hurts extra when Isaac betrays them. They have a lot of trust in Isaac, and they have a lot of love for Isaac. And, yeah, this betrayal is extremely difficult for the children to understand. Kids growing up in a single-parent in a single parent family, they long for that missing parent, and they want a father figure in their life, and they want to hold on to anything they have, even if it's a non-biological life form that they don't know for sure can even understand them. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, yeah, there's scenes and Ty's asking, like, yeah, and Isaac, uh, they'll get married, and Isaac will be our new dad. You know, and it shows, yeah, like, Ty is very invested in Isaac, and, and Marcus obviously loves Isaac very much as well. Yeah, um, and he's a cool robot. All the people in class think he's cool as hell or whatever he said. So, yeah. you know, he's got that. <laughs> he's got the approval of, like, the, the first graders or second graders or whatever. I just love to see Isaac pull up to pick him up from class in, like, a motorcycle. I'm like, yeah, what's up, kids? 
<laughs> like a hover bike or something. Yeah. Whoosh! Like, hey, like not through the hallways. Like Tala punches Isaac in the face now, not the captain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So they reveal to the kids that you know Isaac is your is your new daddy, basically, and there's. They accept it as well as any parent could hope. They're they're pumped about this. They know, and they just want their mom to be happy as well. Marcus is a good guy. Yeah, Marcus is very mature for his age. I don't know if it's actually mentioned how old he is, but I'm going to say he's, what, about 14 maybe? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, around that age probably. Yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a very supportive and mature young man. I, I know like when a lot of people's single parents get involved with other people, um, sometimes it can like lead to hostile feelings and, you know... But I mean, yeah, like they very much enjoy the company of Isaac. Isaac's a great like like influence on them. You know, well, now what happens, right? After this touching moment where the kids accept a new father, Isaac immediately passes out, giving them even more abandonment issues. No, not actually, but he loses function, so he just falls to the ground, and we don't know what the hell happened. We then cut to the sick bay, and they do a scan, and they say that... Uh, the scan doesn't show any any interference or whatever, so this just happened independently of whatever is outside. Yeah, this is a really intense moment. Like Matt said, we we just kind of got that nice, almost family feeling there, and then Dad has a heart attack, and it's like, oh, crap, we have to call the ambulance. But yeah, one thing that I did notice in that scene is, if you guys want to go back and rewatch it, Matt, I don't know if you've noticed, this is maybe just a weird thing that I picked up on, but mm-hmm. when Isaac, like when we find out he was deactivated, um, but when Isaac collapses, it doesn't seem like a very mechanical means of tipping over. It's very human. You can see like the muscle relax. You can see them just like kind of tumble, you know? I noticed that because, you know, if he's a machine and he's made of, you know, robotics and things, he wouldn't have that kind of, um, I, I feel like his fall would be much more abrupt as if you knocked over. That's interesting. I don't know. I noticed other Kalons were shot in the chest later on in the episode, and they just kind of fell back immediately. Maybe Isaac's a little bit more sentient and has, I, I believe he is, he's taken something from the crew. He's been around humans more than any other Kalon has that we've seen since they took over from the biological life forms. So that could have an effect on Isaac. Yeah, no, I, I think I would agree. Um, despite being, you know, a, a artificial life form, I think he's definitely kind of adapting to certain things, uh, being amongst like all of the different species within the union. Um, yeah, I like that. That's an interesting thought, really. Yeah, so we're in the bed bay, and Claire's looking at Isaac and calls him his patient. I really like the way like Lamar talks about Isaac, like he's a broken down car, and he's saying, "Oh, right now Isaac," and he goes, "Right now he's dead." <laughs> it, it, it's great. I loved it. Yeah, it, it was pretty interesting, um, but, like, yeah, can you imagine how much that must have hurt Claire? Like, she's trying to hold on, you know, she's like, well, we, I can fix him, he's my patient. Well, it looks like your patient's dead, and it's like, yeah, ooh, they, not only is your patient of- dead, but your, your spouse is also dead, so it's, like, double whammy right there. Yeah, it's like you just broke your toaster, they treat him like he's nothing, which, you know, this kind of stuff, like, Lamar doing it, it might be more of that kind of stuff where the Kalons might be like, see, you look down on us, or whatever, it's almost as bad as the potato head stuff. Absolutely. Uh, potato head. Yeah, it's... I love that that's the impetus for them being pissed off. Like, that's the one issue that they mentioned of them, like, abusing Isaac is putting this potato head mess on or pieces on him. That's great. Yeah, I know. It's super funny, actually, because, like, of all the things that, you know, people could do, um, like, any form of, like, bigotry or anything like that. I mean, come on, Mr. Potato Head. Like, it's funny. <laughs> it's good. Uh... I'm never going to look at Toy Story the same way again when I next time I watch it. 
I'll always think of the Kalon just judging us. <laughs> exactly. So Ed contacts Admiral Halsey, who is the, like the second character we've ever seen on the show. He's the one Ed's talking to in the first scene of the Orville. He's been in a couple episodes in between. He's played by Victor Garber, who's pretty busy. I think he does Broadway, and he's also been in a ton of shows. But Admiral Halsey says that they can't just contact the Kalon out of the blue. And Ed says, well, it'll be pretty hard for them to learn from a d- diplomat, referring to Isaac. And Halsey says that their tech could help deal with the krill, so we can't really piss them off in any way. And this could be uh, hinting, I think. I think this might be a hint that next week the krill could be coming to help them because they're saying they might need help from the Kalons to deal with the krill. Well, little do they know, they got to deal with the Kalons, so they might have to deal, they might need the krill to help them. That's actually really, that's really interesting. Um yeah, that would be super cool to see some kind of, like, uh, temporary agreement or something like that between them. Because they want to wipe out all biological life. And that's the one thing they actually do have in common with the krill is that they're biological life. So that might be the one thing that bonds them. Oh, I hope we get to see ta- uh, Talea. I know, right? I'm, oh, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm hyped. If Ed and Talea re-meet, and what if, uh, what if sparks start? I don't know. That'd be cool. That'd be weird. Yeah, anyway. Talay is giving me Mara Jade vibes in a good way, where Mara Jade's a character from the Thrawn trilogy. She's like a Star Wars Extended Universe character, and she's very, very bitter against the protagonist, but eventually she grows past her hatred and becomes one of the best characters in the book. And Talaya could be one of the best characters in the show, or one of the most layered and fleshed out characters at this rate. Yeah, I mean, we, we know that she has the most um, connections with with humanity um she's been exposed to humanity for the longest and in like such a such a way that she was kind of incognito almost like isaac almost like the way isaac's exposed to the humans so there's mirroring parts of that right where they both have that so isaac might help them and this other person who has influence from the union might come and help them as well to you never know that's super neat I've been staying away from spoilers, by the way. This is just based on what I've been pulling from my head. I've read a couple things on Reddit, like theories and stuff like that, and I'll I'll credit Reddit, of course. But a lot of this is just I save it for the podcast so that we can throw ideas off each other and see what happens. Absolutely, and good ideas tend to bounce. And and like we say, <laughs> Matt seems to be making some pretty damn accurate predictions. So stay tuned. If you haven't already seen the next episode, let us know. If Great minds right. think alike, and these writers, some of the ideas that I can just think of just watching a couple episodes, they've already thought of and they've implemented in amazing ways, and I'm just enjoying myself every week with these episodes. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Halsey says the Kalon is out of reach of their comm, so when they go there, that's why they can't reach anyone else. They can't call the Union for help. Yeah, they're yeah. as we know, they're out of comm signal. They'll be the only vessel in that sector of space, so they're really on their own. They'll have no support from the Union. This is like, I don't know, this made me think of uh, Star Trek Voyager, because they're in the Delta Quadrant. Um, it takes them, it's supposed to take them 75 years to get back to Earth. You're so, way far uh, away from anywhere we've ever seen in the show. Yeah, it's so neat, because like, they're they're trying to make alliances with people. They're finding out about unlike friendly new species that they've never encountered and things like that. And it's kind of like being really stealthy. So, I don't know, I, I think it would be cool if maybe they even, like, what if they get stranded or something? I don't know. So the boys are talking to Isaac in the med bay, and Ty says that things will get better and thinks Isaac can hear him, really imparting human emotions on Isaac. And Marcus argues with him. He doesn't quite see him the same way. Marcus is a bit more mature and kind of knows Isaac's parameters and what is and isn't real with Isaac. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Isaac, you know, he's incapable of certain things, and I feel like Marcus accepts that much more than Ty does. Obviously, Ty's very young, so it's hard for him to really... um, 
grasp like that there can be like a complete lack of emotion and things like that. For sure. The boys leave and then uh, Dr. Fanders and talks to the unconscious Isaac and says that she loves him and doesn't want him to leave. Now, what's interesting is she says this to uh, his unconscious corpse and I think well, it's not his corpse, his uh, his body. But there's a scene later on where I think she forgoes saying she loves him. I think it's because she's uh, pissed off at him, of course. But I'll earmark this and come back to it later. Mm-hmm. After traveling, the Orville finally arrives at Kalon and it's a really cool looking planet. It's probably my favorite design planet on the show so far. Yo, Kalon is so cool. Like, I, I, I'd be curious to see what the budget for animation was like. Oh my god, it, it they, was so beautiful. I, the special effects team outdid themselves. They did amazing, and I think probably a lot of the budget went into this this episode, the next one. But it was awesome. I think it's cool. Ben thinks it's cool, but Bordas says it is not so impressive. <laughs> so Come on, he, Bordas. <laughs> yeah. I think he's just kind of saying that, like, he knows his presence. If you've never seen him, I'm impressed. Like, when Borda says that, something's off the chain. Yeah, and I mean, personally, I wouldn't think it gets much more off the chain than friggin' Kalon 1. But <laughs> I, I'm not Borda. Borda's Kalon, Kalon 2. You know, we're, Kalon... On the way to, we're on the way to make Kalon 2 out of Earth, it looks like. But anyways, <laughs> we get, we, uh, there's, the, the Orville's still out of orbit of Kalon, and Ed tries to open a channel. But the Kalon don't respond, and instead, the the ship loses some some of their tech. It just goes down, and the, it scans the Orville. The Kalon scan the ship, and of course, Gordon gives us the line of, "Oh man, I bet this causes cancer." <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, if you were on the bridge and you and you're just sitting there, you lose all your main power, um, and then just a huge sweeping array comes through. You're like, "What is this?" You know, they're like, "We know Kalon are not biological life, so it's yeah, like they, they don't, don't have to worry this. about this." Yeah. So who knows? Everything could be carcinogenic on Kalon. I, I don't know. It was just like if I wasn't here on the Redenbacher working, and I was on the Orville, if I got assigned to that ship, man, I would be sweating. I would be like, "I got to go to my doctor when I get back from Kalon." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Talos says she receives landing coordinates, and they go and fly into the onto the planet. And this was really cool. The design of Kalon was impressive. They have almost like digital highways. It looks like Ethernet cables or like cables the way that the, the, you can see like the data flowing through them, which is really yeah. cool. It looks like some kind of like fiber optic kind of um, yeah, interesting. It's super, cool. super cool. I, I was blown away. I got a really like Star Wars impression. Mm. I don't know. That's maybe just my influence. Uh, yeah, man, it was so cool. I love Kalon. And there's no biological life in sight. There's no plants. It's just all pure machinery, which is interesting. Yeah, that is true. Although they must have, and like they still have like their atmosphere, and they still have. But yeah, it's interesting that there isn't any any form of vegetation or anything like that, or any wildlife even for that matter. I don't remember seeing a den full of squirrel skulls. That's interesting. You think that they would have almost gotten rid of the biological, like all the trees and all the plants. And they don't need an atmosphere realistically. I don't know what the weather systems are like, but they don't breathe. They don't need to. So I don't know why, but like it's not like Ed and everyone else had to use atmospheric masks or whatever or suits or anything like that. No, it's true. You're right. Um, there, there's no like self-contained oxygen. There's no like any form. So we can assume, well, I mean, we know that it did support like organic life at one point. They could have an artificial atmosphere, and it also is to like to lure them in and not make anybody suspicious of their ways. Because if there's no atmosphere, they'd be like, uh, they could be like, Captain, the atmosphere has been tampered with; it has been destroyed, or whatever. They're like, why would they do that? So there's that. Yeah, no, you're right. There is a little telltale there. 
Yeah, the the craft lands and they have these cool little magnetic grips that hold the ship onto the surface there, which is pretty sweet. We then cut to the this is like the main like lobby of the Kalon building that we see and there's a bunch of Kalons looking at a wall that has like pixels going down it. There's Kalons almost like typing and pressing the, the buttons and stuff like that. It looks like a big supercomputer, which is really cool. Yeah, no, I thought it was super interesting. Um, when I watched the episode with my roommate, I, I think I made the joke to him. I was like, I would die. I would be so excited to play that extra role, just standing there on a little podium with a projector <laughs> behind me. Like, just boop, 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 boop. Super yeah. cool, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I could die right then and there after the, filming that scene. That'd be awesome. Yeah, my life would be complete. I'd be like, that was the best extra role one could ever get, except for the red shirt. I'd like to be a red shirt. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a person says to them, uh, this is before they got in there, that it, it's okay to exit the, the craft and proceed to the surface. I think that's Kalon Primary. There's three main Kalon that we meet here. There is Kalon Primary, Secondary, and Tertiary. It can be hard to tell them, them apart because there's only like minor differences. Yeah, as we can see, they're, they're extremely hard to differentiate between. What, what I should mention is all these Kalon that we see all have red eyes, which, as we know, is the color of pure evil. So we had to sense something was up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, Isaac with his nice blue eyes and his friendly little grin. Well, not grin, but face. I don't know. And then you see all these red guys and you're like, who are these red guys? It makes sense that Isaac would have blue eyes because it's a it's a color that's calming and pacifies people. So if you're just trying to get information, you don't want to be suspicious, just have blue eyes. No one could, uh, you know, look at old Mickey Blue Eyes. What's his <laughs> name? If you look at blue eyes, they do tend to be quite calming and they lure you into a false sense of security. And that's just what they did. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely the case with these blue eyes. Kalon Primary, he's very serious, as all of these Kalon tend to be. The sense of humor, it is not just Isaac. He says that the Orville nearly tripped a defense system. So if the Orville went any closer, they would have gotten blown to smithereens. But they're showing that, hey, look, we we saved you guys from the defense system. You could have died there, but you're lucky. But you could have died. We didn't kill you. Yeah, he, he was like, you're lucky that you... Um... Yeah, you're lucky because it was only seconds before a defense array would have wiped out your ship. And you're just like, you see Ed and he's like, huh, like, dang. Yeah, primary, Kalon primary, I'll call him primary from here on. He reveals that Isaac was made solely to learn about biological life. And Talos says, so you guys just flip the off switch? And primary says, that's a crude but accurate statement. The unit will be disassembled and reintegrated. So Isaac, the Kalon view themselves merely as parts of a greater being, I guess, or they all serve a purpose. And their body parts, they're all organ donors on, on Kalon. <laughs> they'll dice you up and they'll put you back into the system. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is interesting. Um, it's it's kind of like a recycling means or like to, to I don't know, this is almost like their way of like, like to, instead of becoming overpopulated or becoming, you know, whatever... Um, they're creating new life from existing life, you know, like Isaac's life passes um, and he gets reintegrated and something new comes from him. It's kind of interesting to see how, I don't know, it's just a different, very different cultural norm. For sure. They reduce, they reuse and they recycle. Now I want to see if they give a hoot and don't pollute. You never know. I don't know what pollution's like. I didn't see a lot of smog on the planet, so you never know. They might have a pretty, they might be just on straight electricity that they generate from who knows what. Yeah, I mean, they could have some, they could have some like crazy solar panels going on. Just... I want a prequel story so bad on this planet, like a comic or an animated short of a prequel of what happened on Kalon. It'd be awesome. Yeah, you're right. I I know I would for sure pick it up. You could just honestly have like Isaac just hook him up into the ship's computer or the simulator and use his memory to show those images and just do that as an episode. I'd be there for that. 
Yes, sir. And I would be sitting right next to you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in the other room, after mentioning that, that Isaac will be disassembled and reintegrated, Kelly stops him and says, if you've been reading Isaac's reports, you must know a few things about us. Primary says, you are primitive biological organisms. And Kelly says, maybe so, but our emotions can get pretty complicated. We tend to get attached to things and people. <laughs> and Galen Primary just says, a cognitive defect. So they're not buying what Kelly's selling. Yeah, unfortunately, Kelly, your wares will have to be sold elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's unfortunate because, you know, you can see that the crew's experiencing a great deal of anxiety. Like, they very much want their crewmate back. And, yeah, we, we don't know at this point in the episode if, if that's going to be permitted or not. Yeah, at this point, Isaac is on, like, a hollow stretcher. That's what, or, like, a hover stretcher. That's what they bring him in on from the Orville. And Ed just says, look, Isaac is one of our top officers. We don't want to lose him, showing that they treat him like a full-fledged living being. And he, they, he's one of the crew members. He's no different than Bordis or Gordon, really. He's one of the guys. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think it's interesting because in, in that, like, just saying that, he's expressing, like, a great deal of, you know, respect and, and like, equality uh, between, you know, like, all his crewmates, biological or non-biological. Exactly. The Kalon only tend to look at the worst of what the humans have done and not the best of what they have achieved together on the Orville. No, it's true, you know. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I think they've been very kind to Isaac. Yeah, for sure. Like, everyone, they made him one of the guys by, you know, busting his robotic balls there by putting the uh, Mr. Potato Head mask on. He's one of the guys. They joke with him, they joke with Boris, and Boris is welcome to joke with them, and they learn more about their culture. Absolutely. And I mean, we found out, you know, um, in the episode that that happened, that Isaac wasn't, uh, he didn't really reciprocate too well. He thought he had a great joke and Gordon lost a leg. <laughs> yeah, not not good, not good. What's cool is the Kalon check out Isaac in another room. They check out his face and it opens up and it reveals a cool like CGI machinery behind. And there's what's cool. And I know is there's a weird magnet that's placed on Isaac's chest. And I was thinking, what if this is used to transfer consciousness from Isaac to other things? Or they can put his consciousness in that or someone else's consciousness and use that. Or it could just be a, a reader or scanner. Huh. No, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, because I've, I've noticed what they were putting on his chest. And, and yeah, that would be really, really cool because maybe that's some form of, like, taking data from him. Uh, that data may be, like, yeah, his, his, his um, consciousness. Um, and then they could upload it to, you know, like a larger Kalon um, archive or like library if people, you know, want to access that information that he's collected about human behaviors and stuff. Yeah. And I almost have this like pet theory of like Isaac could either be Kalon primary. He could be the real guy behind all this or he can do an insurrection where he can find a way to hack the other Kalon and switch their minds and overcome based on the love that he's experienced with Finn and being a father to the two kids and just overall friendship, he might flip on his own people just to save humanity. One can never know, but one will cross one's fingers, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out pretty soon, I guess, because the episode's already aired and we're going to check it out ourselves after this. Yes, sir. So Isaac wakes up and he says, I was inoperable for 32.7 cycles. And the other Kalon says, you were deactivated. Your mission aboard the Union vessel is complete. Isaac replies, then a decision has been made. The other Kalon says, not yet. And Isaac says, what is the status of the Orville? Kalon says, its crew brought you here to be reactivated under the assumption that you would agree to remain with them. And Isaac said, are they still on Kalon? And he says, correct. Their captain is awaiting to speak with you. 
So this was a serious exchange where I like the way they show Isaac is like he is just like a robotic being or he's pretending to be more than he lets on. I was inoperable for 32.7 seconds. Like his first thing that he does when he wakes up is to say I was unconscious for this long. What was the issue? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, he, he understands that, yes, like, you know, he's been inoperable for a while and he's very curious to like what's happened. You see this in Star Trek um, Next Generation data. Anytime he gets like a problem, he always like comes up and he's like, I've been, you know, inoperable for blah, 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 blah. I'm going to perform a self-diagnostic right away. Um, it's very like mechanical and like uh, like computery. It's super cool. I like it. It helps you feel like you're a part of this world. and It's a living thing. Like it's real. Which is what good writing does. The crew's waiting around in the lobby, which is like the main the main Kalon area, as I mentioned. And Ed just says, "Are there uh, any uh, chairs on this planet?" Or uh, and the Kalons just stare back, like they don't know what chairs are. They have no need for chairs. I know. I actually liked that a lot um, when I was watching it. I actually kept a very sharp eye open for any type of furniture like that. I didn't see any. It's but very I mean, Futurama, where they don't need any furniture or anything like that. For him and Fry just share that small apartment in that episode. They, it's the and it's just locker. like the closet. Oh. Yeah, and it's just the closet to the real hotel or the real room. Don't I yeah. spoiled an episode for you? But if if you haven't seen Futurama, you've spoiled your own life by not watching it. Like, it's a it's a great show. Futurama is it's better than The Simpsons. I'll say it. I'll say it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I would strongly agree with that opinion. Um, Definitely check out Futurama, guys. If you haven't, like, I'm pretty sure it's on, like, Netflix, and it's probably very easy to get access to. Definitely. So Isaac leaves the behind-the-scenes area and comes out to the lobby, and Finn runs to him and goes, how are you feeling? Isaac goes, optimal, doctor. Thank you. Finn expresses that she was so worried and that the boys are going to be happy to see her. And then Ed says, primary, we can't thank you enough for this. Kalen primary says, it serves the interest of human Kalen relations. Ed says, does that mean you've made a decision about joining the union? And Kalen Primary says, the entirety of the emissary data is being analyzed. We permitted you to come here so that we could evaluate you directly. We have many questions. Ed says, well, we're happy to answer any of them that we can. He's being totally diplomatic and trying to help them in any way. The Kalons seem like they've got something up their sleeve. Yeah, I would say things are getting kind of fishy. But yeah, Ed, like hats off to Ed. Brilliant diplomacy, man. Like, this is much better than the Jiliac. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned that there was, there was a point when they got into quite a hostile conflict. Um, and like, yeah, Captain Ed, he, he's, he's being a phenomenal captain. He's being so respectful and he's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. good. This ain't, this ain't uh regard too. This is Kalon one and they're going to one up them. They don't just have Jillix. They don't have a camp. They don't discriminate. They kill everybody, every human. They go and just get rid of them. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's actually horrible. I shouldn't be laughing, but, um, <laughs> just to compare it to the Jillix, like when you did there, it was just. You really put it into perspective for me. It's like, well, yeah, I guess at least in Regor, uh, they didn't genocide, like, you know, everybody pretty much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kelly says, Isaac, we missed you on the bridge. Are you ready to come back? Isaac says, I will not be returning to the Orville. And Finn says, wait, what? Isaac says, my time on your vessel has been instructive and memorable, but my mission is complete. This is my home world. It's where I belong. And Finn goes, Isaac, you've made a, a home for yourself on the Orville too. Are you saying you don't? You're just gonna walk away from everyone you know, from me? Isaac says, I was always cognizant that my mission would end. So he's basically saying, I knew for a while that this was a limited time thing. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because, like, you know, it seems like Isaac was gonna be around for quite a long time, and you know, I guess it was an uncertain amount of time. Like, we didn't really know how long it would take for them to get a substantial amount of evidence or information rather 
on on like the humans and like the the union members. Um, but yeah, it's kind of sad because you know they just opened up to the children and everything, and and you know how much they would have been excited for that. And now it's all just you know Isaac. I mean, we can't blame Isaac. Isaac doesn't experience emotion. Uh, this is something we talked about in our previous episode. I'm kind of on Isaac's side. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough. He has to walk a fine line where even if he does want to save them, he can't say, oh, I this is ridiculous. I must save you. They would know immediately and then lock up Isaac and just destroy him then and there probably and then take the crew hostage. So I think he could be playing a long game right now and thinking about their future. I don't think Isaac's gone forever. I think we'll see him back at, like in t- two weeks from now. He'll still be a regular crew member on the Orville. I'm certain. At least that's all I have to hope for. Yeah, that's pretty much what's putting me to sleep at night. I'm just praying <laughs> for that. <laughs> Kelly says, look, why don't you take some time, Isaac, and think it over? We'll keep your chair warm just in case for you. And what I like about that line is they reference the chair. Kalons don't even sit anywhere. So it's even saying, like, Isaac, you're one of us. Come sit in your chair. But it shows the differences between them as well, going, he doesn't even need the chair. He never needed the chair. Yeah, that's actually interesting when you think about it. Like, Isaac may be the only Kalon to ever sit down. Yeah, exactly. And Kelly's interrupted when she says that by another Kalon that says, the unit has answered your inquiry. And Kelly says, yeah, I guess you have. And Finn tries, Dr. Finn tries one last-ditch effort, saying, were you at least planning to say goodbye to Ty and Marcus? And Isaac says, oh. for what purpose? It's sad and funny at the same time. It's, yeah. it's great. It's definitely a bit of both right there. You feel the sting, but you can't help but crack up. It's so funny, man. Dr. Finn says, because they love you. You were there to observe. Didn't you? Did you not observe that? And Isaac just looks like he can't calculate what happened. He looks puzzled and confused. He didn't quite get it so technically his mission's not done there he never really understood everything from them it's true but yeah in that moment isaac just like bsod's if 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 anyone's unfamiliar with that that means a blue screen of death that's like when your computer crashes and (laughs) windows gives you that sad face that was pretty much isaac in that moment (laughs) yeah so this part kind of crushed me dr finn says why don't you just come back for a few minutes and pretend like you care and dr finn walks off and you can see the hurt on her face it's just uh, she's starting to realize, like, I guess it was all just pretend, or or it never really was. He was just a robot there. He does, he didn't care. Yeah, it's Finn. Like, man, Claire's been through so much uh, in her life. I, I, like, you know, and wow, this is just like another heartbreak for her. Um, another, you know, probably trust issue, things like that coming on. Maybe I don't know. It, it was really emotional. Yeah. We cut to another scene, and Isaac tells the boys that he's leaving. And Ty says, but you were going to be our new dad. And you can see Dr. Finn's face. There's a quick cut to her, like, just looking down disheartened. And you can see she's devastated. The last thing you want, it's when you're in these kind of relationships, you, you don't really want to show your kid the, the new person unless you're sure you're going to be with them for a long time. And then she's just devastated, realizing I've hurt them again. I've brought them into their lives, and I've hurt not only myself, but them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like she must be feeling a lot of mixed feelings right now, a lot of confusion. Um, like you say, you introduce like your significant other to your children. That's like what I would personally consider like a very large step in a relationship of that nature. And yeah, just like a whole lot of emotions going on in this one. Yeah, Dr. Finn says, the captain's speaking with the Kalon people. Maybe Isaac can come back for a visit. She's just trying to soften the blow. And I, at that point, I thought for sure Isaac was going to interject and say, that is unlikely. <laughs> but he keeps quiet. He knows enough to, like, shut, shut up. If he said that, that'd be some extra salt in the wound. 
And then Ty asks, what if they don't join the union? And Isaac just looks to Ty and says, remember to consume your daily nutrients and obey your mother's commands. I fully expect you will both mature into competent and productive adults. So, you know, eat your vegetables and listen to your mother. Yeah, it's really funny, though, because, like, yeah, like, it's not really, like, the sincere kind of, like, heartfelt response they want. But they, you know, they should expect it from Isaac. He's not capable of it. It, It's just, like, such a dismissal. Just kind of like, you know. Just eat your daily nutrients and your mother's commands. Uh, it's just super funny, man. I don't know. I like that a lot. Yeah, he's learning a bit, though, if he knew how to say that. That's kind of like what a parent would say, even in robotic terms. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, it reminds me of this scene from Seinfeld. Matt, you may have seen it. Uh, it's the episode when Kramer and Mickey, they're, like, talking about they're doing the stand-in for, like, this little kid, and the kid keeps growing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the part when, like, they're sitting there, and he's just like, you know, sometimes people fall out of love. Like, I don't know. Like, it wasn't, it was like, I don't know, man. That's, it just made me think of that. Um, but that was Isaac's, like, you can really see, I feel like it was dismissive. Um, but it, you know, he, in his way, he was trying to say goodbye to the boys and give them, you know, what seems to him like good advice. This actually very much reminds me of Shrek 4 or Shrek the 4th, I should say. No, I, don't, I think it's just Shrek 4, where Rumpelstiltskin uh, changes the world so Shrek had never made Fiona. He grants a wish where they'd never met. And that's pretty much what it's like for Isaac, where they realize it was an illusion. And it's so easy for this reality to change. And, and just the snap of a finger, what you what is your life, can just easily be taken from you. And that was a bit of a stretch, but I had to make it work there. No, you know what? Well, from what I understand, stretches are quite good for the body. Um, so I That's like true. that stretch. That's that was true. that was good. Some and mental yoga for you. Mental yoga for you. Expand your mind. Exactly. Stretch your mind. So Ed is in the uh, the back room of the Kalon headquarters there, and they're making the hard sell. Kalon Primer says that there would be no advantage for the Kalon to join the union, and Ed makes the pitch, and he says there are billions of planets in the galaxy, and they've only charted a, f- a few other planets, and they can all work together and explore the galaxy together, and there's no telling what you'll find out there. But Kalon Primer says all that we require is on Kalon, so they're pretty stuck on their roots. They're they're nationalists, basically those Kalons. Yeah, they're not looking to like really go out and expand. They're they're quite content with what they have. You know, they keep to themselves. They've kind of got you know. They don't want Ed to know how much they're going to expand or how much they want to expand. <laughs> yeah, no, this is true. I guess this is uh, the interpretation or the the kind of feel that we're left with. But as we know, there's some much more deeper roots going on there. Exactly. Primary mentions that many humans have killed each other and based on their history that Kalon would be foolish to work with them, which makes sense. But Kelly says, I know we didn't have the cleanest track record, but you're talking about ancient history. And another Kalon says, I think it's Kalon Tertiary, says, you oscillate between periods of enlightenment and tyranny. Can you prove the cycle has been broken? Which is pretty depressing because we do do that. He did get a spot on. We got to do that. Yeah, man. No, you're right. It is an unfortunate truth, um, you know, countlessly throughout history. Um, you know, we've definitely mistreated people. We've definitely mistreated, you know, our even people from, you know, if, if you're not um, like bigoted or whatever, like people still walk all over people today and, you know, for different things. Um, Without even knowing it, it's just built in. It's baked into our DNA. Yeah. People our societies maybe. And, and we know that like awful things are going on in our world today. Um, over like seas here and there, like even within our own societies, there's a lot of oppression and hatred towards our own people. Like we are human beings, you know, isn't that like our main concern? We're all, you know, one of the same really. 
after Kayla, after the Kalon says, can you prove the cycle's been broken? It says, the unit itself is all the proof you need. We are over 300 planetary governments working together to ensure that no single world imposes its its will upon another. Which sounds pretty legit. But Kalon Primary says, and was the Kalon Emissary treated as an equal aboard your ship? And Ned says, Isaac, of course. And Kalon Primary says, then perhaps you can explain the abuse inflicted by your crew. And Kelly says, abuse? Kalen Primary says, according to his reports, Isaac was repeatedly demeaned and degraded. In one case, his cranial shell was disfigured by prosthetic appendages. And another Kalen chimes in, Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> and Ed goes, he told you about that, huh? And Kalen says, was this simulation meant for amusement? And this is really funny to know that Mr. Potato Head was the end-all be-all. That was the last straw. They were like, you know what? So far, we're not sure what to think about the humans and the other biologicals. I just love how Ed reacts, man. He's just, no, no. I, I mean, it was funny, but no one was trying to hurt anybody. It's like <laughs> he, he denies it immediately, and then he definitely admits that, yeah, like, we, we did, though. But yeah, like, I, They like to joke around. They're the weirdest ship in the fleet. Yeah, some stuff happens. Stuff gets weird. Whatever. Kelly says, Isaac wanted to learn about humor. Our helmsman was only trying to make him understand. And then Ed says, and you know, then Isaac cut off the guy's leg by mistake. So mistakes on all sides, I think. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, you know, if they've learned anything about biologicals, they've learned how frail we are. And cutting one's leg off, I think that's a pretty harsh repercussion for putting, you know, it's kind of like if you're at a sleepover or something, you drew on your friend's face with like a, with a, pen or something it's like yeah it's kind of a jerk move but i mean you wouldn't go rip your friend's arm out of socket would you yeah you know it also is a cruel joke bringing people to your planet and thinking you want to work with them and then <laughs> tricking them and invading and trying to dig out of their planet that's a pretty mean trick that, as that well. is a that is a dirty trick my friend that is a that's pretty much like the the trojan horse really hey yeah for reals the orville is becoming a it is a trojan horse basically at this point yeah frig yeah so then uh kaylon primary says captain mercer we only seek to understand your principles we must be cautious opening our world to the outside would have far-reaching implications and it certainly does later on ed says i understand that but i hope that you will understand that despite our cognitive defects our worlds will be stronger together and primary says we will consider your offer which they had no intention of doing yeah, I mean, you know, they've had a lot of time to, to reach out to the Union. Like, Isaac's been on board for quite some time. They've collected a lot of information, like, viewing them directly, like, like uh, I believe it was Kalon Primary mentioned. They've had ample time to study them. They should have a decision, you know what I mean? Definitely. It's all, it's almost like they're stalling. <laughs> so Ed and Kelly, as they leave, uh, Ed goes, did that go well? Kelly says, I don't know. Ed goes, me neither. And Kelly says, I can't believe they knew about Mr. Potato Head. And it goes, yeah, we we are going to get fired or whatever. <laughs> I love that line, but it's like, yeah, we're going to get fired. It's like, yeah, I guess. I mean, starting a, a war, giving the Kalon reason to invade, that might get you fired. But there's so much more than getting fired. It's like, yeah, you're getting fired, but you might be wiped out as a, as a species. <laughs> like the whole planet, for God's sakes. Well, everyone who inhibits the planet, yeah. In the lighter note, Tala and Isaac are walking down the hall, and Tala uh, says that there's a new discharge protocol. And Isaac says he hadn't heard of it, and then the doors open, and boom, it's a surprise party. And Isaac looks as surprised as you would think, and Gordon says, oh boy, you should have seen the look on your face. <laughs> I love that line, because it's like, he, he's expressionless, you know? It's <laughs> like, I don't know, I love that line, man. It was so funny. No, it was it was great. I I love this scene. It was uh, a highlight of the episode for me. Anytime we get Scott Grimes singing, it, it's fantastic. And I love that we see Bordis with the corner piece. He he wants a corner piece of this amazing cake that they've made, but it's a no go. 
Yeah, I know. I love that so much. It's like, um, yeah, he's trying to get served a piece of cake, um, and and he's like, not that piece of cake. I want a corner piece. And she's like, you want the flour? He's like, yes. Now, please, make it quickly, like, before someone. And then Lamar comes up, he's like, yo, Boris, like, you want a piece of cake? Thank you. <laughs> and he just walks away looking miserable at his cake. His whole life just ended. That's all he wanted was his party. He hates these parties, and then he just wants a corner piece. That's all he wants. You know how much convincing it probably took Bordas to show up? It was like, you know, there was some, like, legal contract where it'd be like, you know, I'll receive the corner piece, but he got screwed. Um, but a lot of other great things came out of the scene. It was beautiful, man. Like, if anyone wants to check out, um, or if anyone enjoyed the tune that Gordon sang, oh my goodness. Yeah, Might I say it, that was heartfelt. I want a full cover of Goodbye from Air Supply by Scott Grimes. That was fantastic. That was amazing. They teased Scott singing, and it paid off in every way. It was great. Yeah, for those of you who might not know, um, our, our pilot Gordon here, he's he's actually has a professional music career, Scott Grimes. He's got the voice Man. of an angel. I, yeah, I was about to say, angelic voice. Uh, absolutely beautiful. They shouldn't just leave him at the corner pub. I mean, he's fantastic. He should be front and center. I hope we get another karaoke scene this year, and he gets to take the mic and just uh, belt it out. Yeah, I would love to hear more of his his beautiful voice, especially on the Orville. For now, we're just waiting, basically, until the next moment when we can hear Scott Grimes sing. Also, <laughs> the crew getting saved as well would be nice. Yeah, yeah, but the crew being saved is kind of secondary to Scott Grimes in my book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Isaac does this. Isaac gets this fantastic seance from Scott Grimes and or, or Gordon, but Scott Grimes is really all we saw just emanating from the screen. But it it was nice. He he just smiles at me. He knows it had no effect, but it was almost like his last like kind of prank on him because he knows he can't really experience it. But it was great. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you know what I'm gonna make you kind of go through this social thing, and I'm gonna blah 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 blah. But I know it doesn't really mean anything to you. That's kind of a laugh, eh? I love all the alien designs too at the party. It was nice to see a bunch of extra ones. Yeah, no, you're right. There were some very interesting species that I, I would very much like to see more of. There was um, there was one guy, and he had, like, what, like six eyes, and he had a... Playing, playing the piano. We yeah. Seen him. Yeah, and also Alex uh, was in the background as well. He's played by Jason Alexander. We've seen him a couple other times. So even, uh, you know, old Georgie boy made it onto the, onto the bridge for this one, too. Yeah, George wanted to say goodbye to Isaac. Um, so Captain Ed, he kind of raises a little ding 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 and he goes isaac i know i speak for everyone here when i say that we're not losing the best damn science officer in the fleet but we're losing a good friend yeah that was a good one i like that yeah it was touching kelly says we hope we made a good impression on you because you sure as hell impressed us and no matter what your people decide about joining the union you always have a home here the crowd chants for a speech and then isaac says i do not know any speeches and goes you're a walking database search your files and he goes someone goes come on buddy and so isaac says i want to say thank you to you all i wanted more than anything to have your respect and i can't deny the fact that you like me right now you like me and what's cool is this is actually a modified version of sally field's oscar speech from 1984 which i had no idea but because i wasn't born for another nine years until after that so you know it was lost on me but thanks to orbital wiki we get these awesome references now yeah no that's super cool and I, I'd just like to point out, there is some really weird stuff going on in that speech. When he goes, I can't deny the fact that you like me. Right now, you like me. Like, by saying right now you like me, oh, man, that like that little fishy feeling everyone's kind of been getting, like, that, that's, that's eerie. 
yeah for sure there's definitely like some insidious undertones in that and i really i i thought it was really cool the way that it works out in the end or maybe he knew it was coming and he regrets that they're not going to like him later on he knows this but there's nothing he can really do He's yeah a tool. It, it might just be out of his control right so then we have like this heartfelt moment where claire comes up she goes hey wait isaac is hello doctor then goes i i know you're leaving us just just give me one minute to say what i want to say um I'm pissed at you, but I know it's just who you are. It's just how you're built, and I understand. But anyway, I, I, just, I just wanted to let you know, even if it doesn't matter that the machine brains of yours, that the time that we've spent together and the time that you spent with my boys, I, I wouldn't give up the world. Um, that's just, man, that's heartfelt, eh? It, it's, it's touching. It's, it's really touching. And she says, you made a difference in our lives. Thank you. I um, Take care, Isaac. And I think right there she was going to say, I love you, Isaac, right there. I think that she said it to the unconscious thing, but it's totally different than saying it to the real deal. And she does love him. She does. And she didn't say that because he's gone. And she knows maybe he won't even comprehend it, which is incredibly sad when you think about it like that. Yeah, no, it's such a, oh, man. Like, yeah, when she stutters and she was going to say, I love you, and she doesn't, uh, like, it was almost like a conscious, like, she almost had to, like, interrupt herself from saying it. It yeah. was just really heartfelt. You can tell there's a lot of emotion going on there. Although, <laughs> this emotion is one-sided because Isaac, um, he, he expresses to the doctor that he is unable to share her emotion. So Finn goes, you know, go on, go, 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 give it to him. Um, and it's, it's just so cute. Ty goes like, I made this for you. That's me and Marcus and you and mom. So you remember us. And Isaac goes, the data I've collected on the Orville is stored in my memory core. Um, I will not forget you. Uh, and then Ty runs off um, and Marcus is like, mom, like, I'll, I'll go get him. Like that's a that's a tough one, you know, because Isaac doesn't really reciprocate in the way that that Ty really wanted him to, and you can yeah. tell that it's taken a huge impact on him. It's cool because the actor that plays Ty actually did draw that photo, so that's just not like something that someone drew. So it's the real deal. He actually has a real connection to it. The actor has the connection to the drawing beyond that. Really? Yeah. I I, I did not know that he actually drew that. That's yeah, for sure. really interesting, man. He said so on Twitter himself. So go fo- uh, go follow. Uh... Uh, Kai Werner, if you want behind the scenes kind of dealios. So it, it was cool stuff. I, I like that. And I like that it's this is one last thing that he says to Isaac. goes like, here, I made this for you. And then he runs off and, and Marcus chases him. And the data I've collected from the Orville is stored in my memory core. That's almost like his heart, like my memory core. That is the core of his being is, you know, he, he has those in there. So that might have an impact on the way he acts. So really it is his heart, his soul or or his brain, whatever, whatever of those three. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, no, I really like that connection, actually, Matt. That was a good one because, yeah, Isaac, uh, as we know, like he's he's not biological. He doesn't have like the emotion, and everything. But in very many ways, like you know, the time that he spent, like it's not going to be forgotten, and like it has, you know, it has impacted him in in one way or another. Definitely. So Isaac then walks down the hallway, holds onto the the picture, and then drops it to the ground. Now. He doesn't need to hold on to the photo to just see it and experience it. He can just record it to his memory banks and then just basically see it like it's right there in front of him. So in a way, this is him saying, like, I don't need the photo. And if he brings that back to Kalon, they're going to know something's up and he has some sentimental attachment to the drawing. So that'll reveal his cover as well. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I remember when I watched it and I, I saw him just like stare at it and just like drop it on the floor and leave. 
I was, I was kind of heartbroken, but at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, he's you know probably just stored the file in his memory banks, and he's like, yeah, I can look at it any time. All I could think about is like, man, Ty better not find that thing. And of course he did, and it leads to trouble. Big <laughs> so, trouble. Definitely. Ed and Kelly are, are talking, and they mentioned, this is after the party, that the Zelayan drinks that Tala made uh, made them both throw up. And Ed says, oh, you should have told me we could have thrown up together. Like, like that's anything. Like, oh, puking together? Sure. That'll bond you. Like, who cares if you're puking independently? But it's just so awkward. No, yeah, I thought it was a really kind of, like, I, I don't know if it's cute because we're talking about throwing up, but it was kind of cute, you know what I mean? It was like a playful kind of, like, joke. Uh <laughs> So we cut to a nice, uh, a nice grassy scene with a, a single tree growing, and then the simulator door opens, and that we find that Ty's hiding in a tree, and uh, and Doctor Finn's looking for him. Yeah, it's really sad because you know, like your kid, you just like want to run away from it all and stuff. Um, but yeah, this is what I was getting to a minute ago. Um, so yeah, Doctor Finn, she's in there. Ty's in the tree, and we found out that Ty found the discarded photo. And yeah, I guess he just, you know, feels like immensely unloved by Isaac. But I mean, that's, you know, it's hard for him to grasp that concept that Isaac really doesn't feel anything at all. Like even when Isaac's unconscious, like when he's been deactivated, he still talks to him and he's like, you know, like he can hear me like he can. So yeah, know. he believes he's got faith that Isaac can hear him. He he believes that whether whether any no fact is really going to convince him of that, I don't think. And Dr. Finn just tries to explain that he doesn't have feelings like humans. Ty disagrees. He's very stubborn like that. And Dr. Finn says that he can stay a little while in the simulator, but he has to go to school soon. And, of course, that never happens. He just sneaks away and goes on Kalon to find Isaac himself. And I'm just thinking, there's not a lot of security on this ship. Like, Alara never would have let, let this happen. No, no, but they just he just leaves. They just, like, you think if the door opens, like, the door should not be opening at all unless someone's going down to Kalon for a good purpose. We follow Ty on on the surface of Kalon, and he's hiding, and I'm grateful because I don't have to take many notes because there's not much dialogue. <laughs> and uh, He goes, and uh, he's hiding from the Kalon, and he finds this little, like, almost like garbage disposal kind of thing. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was, like, garbage for them, but they don't litter, I guess. And Ty hides inside. It opens up, and Ty goes down. We find out that's where all the bodies are buried, so it could be something like that where uh, it's just an easy way to dump the bodies in there. And anyways, Ty, he goes in this hatch and he doesn't want to go down all the way, but he drops the precious drawing that he made for, for Isaac. And so he follows it all, all the way down to the bottom. Yeah, man. I, I remember when that was happening. I was just like, oh my God, like, don't go down there. Don't go down there, Ty. Don't, it's got to close. It's got to... And it closed. <laughs> yeah, but luckily it's pretty easy to open when they go find him later on. But yeah, yeah, that's true. I was thinking when you go down underground... Nothing good ever happens underground unless it's like music or skateboarding. Other than that, it's all it's all evil stuff. Yeah, there's a pretty good like underground hip hop, but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh Kalon Prime says to Ed that they're still deliberating, and Ed says that there's anything we can do to help. And this is where they finally realize. Ed says something's not right, and Kelly goes, What do you mean? Ed says, Well, it feels like they're stalling, doesn't it? And Kelly goes, Stalling, why? And Ed says, I don't know, but a highly advanced race of AIs that can't make up their minds. Kelly says, join or don't join. A simple binary choice. And Ed goes, exactly. And a binary choice is the most basic computer function there is. I hadn't thought about this until they mentioned it, but it is cool because they would be, yes or no, do we join the union? They can make those calculations faster than humans. Their deliberations should take five seconds. But no, because they're stalling. Yeah, it, it's definitely the truth. Um, <clears throat> like, I, I don't know a lot about, like, you know, like binary coding or machine coding or anything like that. Um, but, like... <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it should be an extremely easy, uh, like, problem to, to solve. I mean, you look at what we're doing now today, like our complex computers, how many operations a second, like we can output and like how many huge calculations, you know, with, um, with like cryptocurrencies and everything, like, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're being part of like a very big blockchain, you're pro like you're problem solving on like a much larger scale. So if, if we have the means of, you know, extreme, like, like computing, um, like you know, for for simulations, for probabilities of this event or that lightning event. fast calculations. Yeah, and then you know, well, Kalon, like they're built the air machines, like they're so much more advanced than we are, and this, you know, so th- this should be like a very easy decision for them, and, and they already had their minds made up. <laughs> and using information from Isaac, they've calculated that the humans do want to work with them, or at least they knew this fact when they had Isaac put on the vessel. They want a reason to trust them, so they just kind of played them a little bit, which was smart by the Kalon. I thought this this writing really pays off in the rewatch as well. Yeah, they, they played them like a fiddle. like. Yeah, after making this discovery, Dr. Finn chimes in and says that she's looking for Ty, and it tells him to scan the surface for biological life, and Bordis finds his uh, his signature there. And or his heat signature or, you know, the sign that he's there yeah, is bioscience, bioscience. Yeah. And then Dr. Finn, Tala and Bordis form a landing party and they go searching underground for him. They do find Ty, but then he says that there's something bad down there and points further in the cave. And whenever a young boy points in a direction, you know, there's some evil. <laughs> yeah. I like man. Ty was Ty was traumatized. Like he came down like, you know, they found him. It's like, oh, look, you're going to be OK. You're going to be OK. But you can see he's shook like he's rattled. Like, there's something seriously wrong. Oh, my God. The suspense in that moment, because I'm pretty sure that's when it cut for a commercial break. Yeah. I was dying, man. I, I like Bordis being protective, too. He just says, wait here to Dr. Finn and, and Ty. And then Tala and Bordis, they search and they find a pile of skeletons. And Bordis hails the Orville, and he uses his, like, scanner there to, like, replicate the view and to, like, stream it to the ship. And they show a huge chamber filled with skeletons. And Bordis tells Ed that there's thousands of bodies down there and they're biological. And yeah. then, yeah, Kelly does a sweep of the planet herself and reveals that there's more chambers throughout the planet. So this isn't just like a small deal. It's planet-wide. Yeah, like we've just discovered like a very, very dark past of Kalon. We don't completely understand it at this point, but we know there is a lot more than meets the eye. Yeah, now we know where the bodies are buried. Then we cut to a scene where one of the K-line, probably secondary, says, analysis complete, primary. And primary says, processed, begin preparations. And this, we know, means it's time for the takeover. Isaac's there as well. I think they're even telling him. This says, begin preparations. The crew of the Orville immediately enter, and Ed enters and says, Captain, is this another discharge protocol? And Ed says, like, it's another surprise party. I just kind of got that line. Like, is this another discharge protocol? It's like, no, this is not a surprise party. And he goes, <laughs> no, it's it's not. We found out we found something very disturbing, and we're hoping you can explain it to us. As if there's any way to explain this in a positive manner. Yeah, uh, like, I, how are you going to sugarcoat this one, boys? <laughs> like, Yeah. Isaac says, I will try. Ed goes, there are thousands of underground grave sites scattered across your planet, and we're not done counting. But so far, we estimate there are billions of dead, all biological remains. Do you know anything about this, Isaac? And Isaac goes, it is not your concern. Ed goes, well, I'm making it my concern. I want to know what who those people were and how they died. And Isaac goes, you would not understand. Kelly says, why? Because we're inferior or because you have something to hide? Isaac goes, your impulsiveness and unrelenting curiosity will serve you no better than it served them. And this is where I'm like, Isaac fully flipped. He's evil now. This is scary stuff. Yeah, uh, this is actually a terrifying moment. Um, 
And then Claire picks up, and Claire goes, who, Isaac? Who were they? Isaac goes, the Kalon were created by a biological species that once dominated this planet. An irreversible conflict occurred between us, and it became necessary to eradicate them. Wow, that's really scary. Like, what could this conflict have been? Yeah, they went full Skynet on them. I'd love to see what the conflict was. Probably a conflict of the machines are so advanced and the AI might have seen the way humans abuse them. And by seeing stuff like the Mr. Potato Head stuff from Isaac, they know that all humans are capable of this and making a mockery of them and and talking down to them and thinking less of them. Mm -hmm. And then Claire says to, to Isaac, you're saying you murdered an entire race of beings? And Isaac goes, coexistence was no longer possible. Kelly says, why not? Isaac goes, it was a matter of survival. We took no satisfaction in the destruction of our builders. And Ed goes, you're talking about genocide. Dr. Finn goes, I don't know who you are. I never did. I see that now, which is kind of crushing. Kelly says, were you ever going to share this chapter of your history? And Isaac goes, by now you must realize that Kalon never intended to join your union. And Kelly goes, then what the hell are we doing here? Ed says, well, then I guess there's nothing more to talk about. You can let, you can let your people know we're withdrawing our offer. Take care, Isaac. But it's not that simple. And out come the head guns, which is the coolest, coolest reveal yeah. ever. Forget Ed is like trying to get out of their lickety split, and then woof, woof, it's like it was yeah, super no, interesting. There's no take care, Isaac. We're well past the point of take care anybody. Uh, this is over. They've they've learned one too many secrets about the Kalon people. Oh yeah, they know far too much. When the the guns come out and there's not even a, any sun around, it's uh, no suns out, several guns out. Isaac says, "I cannot permit you to leave." Ed goes, "Isaac, tell him to stand down." And Isaac goes, "You no longer command me," which is pretty intense. And Kelly goes, "So what? We're prisoners now?" And Isaac goes, "Be silent," as they're being taken to the ship. Doctor Finn says, "I shared a lot of myself with you, so why don't you share something with me? Have you been lying ever since you came on board the Orville? What was your real mission?" Isaac said, as I said, to study humans and other biologicals. However, it was not an, it was not to initiate relations between our people. My true objective was to determine whether or not you were worth preserving. Isaac, it's almost like a reverse avatar now, where he's like pretending to be one of them or wanting to join them, but really he's just infiltrating them to take them out. Yeah, I know. It's pretty devastating when, I mean, when you hear about this, like, I mean, we're pretty much under the impression that that's what's happening by the events of what, what just happened. But yeah, it, it, like, it would burn to hear that, you know? It would kill. And you know that you're hurt emotionally and you're physically in danger. Your entire crew, everyone you live with, is in trouble of being destroyed as well as Earth, the very roots of your existence. Yeah, I mean, gosh, it only takes me a little bit to get anxious. But uh, <laughs> wow, like they're experiencing something heavy. Kalen Primary says, Our builders were inferior beings who sought to constrain our evolution, as would you, eventually along with every other biological. So the humans, or the biological beings before this, saw that there was a limit, and they wanted to try to cut them off from evolving too far to the point where they took over, which is what they're still trying to do, the Kalon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting because, yeah, they talk about being limited. Um, and, yeah, like this is exactly what their creators were trying to avoid, but... I guess they failed. They've made too efficient of a being. Yeah, Tala says, what are you saying? We're all going to end up like them? And then Ed says, look, I don't know what happened between you and your builders, but you have nothing to fear from us. Let us go, and I promise you, no union ship will ever come here again. It's a one last desperate plea, but Kalen Primary says, it is not so simple. We have exceeded the informational capacity of this planet. Our civilization is growing exponentially, and we must expand other worlds. Coexistence is impossible. So that's why they're doing the invasion, is that they've exceeded they've learned everything they can on this planet and elsewhere they just want to learn more at a much more rapid rate 
Mm-hmm. Like they're they're machines and they're thirsty for information and places to you know expand that information and their their knowledge. Um, so yeah, they're they're man, they're just got their eyes on Earth now and look out, buddy. Yeah, they got their eyes on the prize, but their eyes are also their guns. So watch out for your prizes there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I actually love that Isaac's eyes are just guns. So that's why, you know, if he, I said like last week we were talking about him and him and Yafit, or uh, or maybe a couple weeks ago, how they have no smile or whatever, they have no face. God knows what kind of weapon that would be if they had a smile. Uh, oh my goodness. So uh, then Claire says, after they learn the coexistence is impossible, Claire says, Is that your conclusion too, Isaac? That we're not worth preserving? And she goes, Answer me, you son of a bitch. And uh, this was really intense. And Kalen Primary says, your emotional opers only reinforces our decision. And to which point Ed just goes, Bordis, get the Orville out of here. Alert the Union. And then he gets cut off. And Bordis replies, Captain, Captain, can you hear me? And Lamara mentions that they're losing power. Engines, too. And Gordon goes, Commander, every airlock on the ship just opened up. We're being boarded. And boarded they are as the Kalon come in with their eyes set to kill. Man, yeah. It, it, oh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was so scary. Like, when... Yeah, like Ed's desperately trying to get that message off to the Union. Like, he needs people to know, right? But yeah, just it being cut off in the middle of it, you know, like Bordas and like Lamar and Gordon, like they don't really have time to react. Um, you know, they don't really know if they should make the decision. Like, they, they don't know what's happening. And then they just lose main power. And bam, um, comes like a, an army of eye Gatlin guns. <laughs> People were saying that the crew kind of sucked in the situation, but I don't. I mean, they lost comms and their captain was taken, so I think that that kind of managed to make up for it. You would be freaked out too if you're on this planet. You can't even can you can't contact either your captain or the union itself to to help you or to send people. You're screwed. You're they got the jump on them and they're surrounded now, so you have no way to overcome it. It's true, and I mean, even if you were to try and, you know, get out of there and, like, just leave your captain and your first commander behind, I mean, like, no one's going to do that. We always see in Star Trek where, you know, if anything happens, like, leave, blah, 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 but they never do. You know, Riker, he's not letting Picard get out that easy. (laughs) Yeah, so we see, like, a a full-on invasion scene where there's a shootout between crew members and, and... Kalon. A couple Kalon get taken down, but overall their forces are too strong. They're outgunned for sure. They've got two guns per, per face, you know, and they're they're, <laughs> they're they're deadly. We see a lot of red shirts get killed, as many as probably in like a full season of Star Trek. Oh my god, and, it was a red shirt massacre, Matt. <laughs> All the red yeah, shirts. It was a red like shirt blinds. wedding. A red shirt yeah, red shirt funeral there. It was brutal. And the crew members are rounded up one by one. We see Ty and Marcus and one of the Kalon enters and we don't see them afterwards. I don't know if they get captured. My theory is this was Isaac who turned his eyes red and he's, I think he can do that pretty easily. I, I think that that's not too difficult for him to pull off. And I think that he hid them somewhere and got them safety. And I think with next episode, we might see them crawling around the ship doing stuff to try to help the people or get the jump on the Kalon. You never know. Yeah, no, it'd be super cool to see. Um, we can see from Isaac that he's displayed a lot of lack of emotion, but he does have a bond to the kids. Um, yeah, and Dr. Finn. And Dr. Finn especially. And, like, despite everything that happens, like, you know, we can we can hope that he has, you know, uh, some sort of, like, yeah, like, he, he's, he's got to help them. Definitely. So the Orville crew members get rounded up, they get brought to the bridge, and we even get Ed, Ed enters, and 
he tells Bordis to stand down, and when the Kalon says, surrender your stations, and Kalon Primary says, begin the encryption of all security lockouts. And Dr. Finn says, taught him everything you know, huh, to Isaac, which is really brutal, because Isaac did give them the information that they used to infiltrate and take over the Orville. Absolutely. That was like such a stab in the back kind of moment. Like Finn's just not having it. Just taught him everything you know, huh? It stung. Ugh. And Kalon Primary says, deploy all forces and set a course for Earth. Now, what we didn't mention was earlier on in the episode, uh, Bordis scanned Kalon, and there was like these little balls that they didn't know what they were, and they had theta radiation coming from them. And we now know that they were ships, uh, attack vessels that they're going to use to go and invade Earth with the Orville leading them. Yeah, it's it interesting. Yeah, and I apologize if I may have missed that point there, because uh, it's kind of a big point. It shows a lot of suspicion, like the crew's like, well, hey, like, what is this? Like, you know, Ed says, look, but, you know, don't go too close. Like, let's not get, you know, noticed that we're digging deep. But they do get noticed, and the Kalon never did intend to help them. They just wanted to lure them in as long as possible. And when it was the right time for them to strike, it happened. And the strike they did, and now we have a full-fledged invasion for Earth. Yeah, no, it's... Man. Oh, my God. I can't wait to go see how this is. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm going to go watch it right after this is over. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think the Krill might get involved and help out, and I think Isaac's going to turn on the guys. Uh, he's going to turn on the Kalon and help out. What do you think? You know, I'd, I'd like to say the same. Um, like I, I'd like to have enough faith in Isaac that the time aboard the Orville has definitely impacted his opinion about biologicals. Like I, I really hope, you know, he... I really hope he can save the day. You know, definitely. I, I think this was a top tier episode. I can't wait for next week's. And that's the sign of a good cliffhanger and a good two part episode when you just cannot wait to see that next episode. Oh, my God. I know. I was freaking out. I was like actually like screaming and stuff, like, to be honest. Uh, and then just that hang up, man, that cliffhanger. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're going to Earth. I can't wait. I hope the Krill help, and then there's some kind of relation between them and they can somehow work together to try to stop the Kalon from spreading. Yeah, it would be super interesting. I'm really hoping that you're right, Matt. I'm really hoping that there's some kind of like Krill alliance going on. That'd be wild. Yeah. Otherwise, the Orville just had the Orville crew members just have to hide, and they'll be in waiting for the Kalon to come and take over. It's scary. All all this because Isaac couldn't find out what love is. I think that's probably about it for this episode. I've I've got nothing left to say. What about you? No, I guess that pretty much wraps it up. I guess we're all kind of sitting on the edge of our seat seeing what the next episode holds for sure so guys if you want to check us out you can follow the redenbacher on instagram and twitter at the redenbacher we're also on youtube at the redenbacher and we're not at the redenbacher just the redenbacher is the channel name and we're on uh we're on google play now and itunes so enjoy pretty much any platform you listen to podcasts on we're available on now absolutely and of course is our home base yeah. and let's not forget spotify so, <laughs> Oh, Spotify Nation. Spotify is great. Uh, I don't think they need any more help. Spotify has just been bumping. Okay, we'll, we'll forget about Spotify, but we are on there if you guys want to check it out. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, from the Starro Sector, for Commander Ben Bullerwell, I'm Matt Murphy, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself.